Good afternoon on a Friday. It is August 21st. Yes. And we have another edition of A Train Sports Talk Podcast with yours truly, Anthony Smith. And the news isn't all good if you are a high school fall sports fan. Just Tuesday this past week, kind of celebrating, although it was a narrow vote, that Keisha, which is the Kansas State High School Athletic Association, had planned on going with their season, even though they were pushing the season start date back. As a matter of fact, here within the G-Wall area, Greater Wichita Athletic League, or as some know it as the City League, they were cutting out non-league games, which means it was going to be a shortened season. Well, now we move forward. Wichita Public Schools fall sports are canceled. USD 259 decides it's too dangerous. The report has it there will be no sports in Wichita USD 259 this fall. Wichita Public Schools Board of Education voted 5-2 to two to place the district in the orange level gating criteria as outlined by the Kansas Department of Education to start the school year. In doing so, all fall activities, including high school football, are canceled. In a tweet, it says the board is now deciding the duration of the decision the board will make tonight. A motion has been made for the decision to last nine weeks with the option for the COVID task force to be able to request a change if conditions warrant. Motion passes. Six to one, and that tweet is from Wichita Public Schools at Wichita USD 259. Goes on says a motion has been made to approve the revised gating criteria documents. The motion passed six to one. The orange level is intended to be enacted when a 10 to 14.9 percent positive case rate exists in Cedric County over a period of two weeks with 101 to 150. 150 new cases present in the county during that time. It calls for pre-kindergarten through grade 5 students to be taught either on-site or via remote learning. In grades 6 to 12 students to be strictly limited to remote learning. That applies to activities including sports too and visitor access to school should be extremely limited by appointment. The Wichita City League, Greater Wichita Athletic League, or GWAL, on two only compete against other City League teams this fall. It canceled two regular season football games for all nine schools, but on Tuesday, the other six were canceled too. Thursday, the other six were canceled too. City League Athletic Director Jay Means told the Eagle that the league's two schools that aren't part of USD 259, Bishop Carroll and Cape and Mount Carmel, could decide to move on without the rest of the league. 
which are taught public schools decisions, decision fall in line with the Kansas City, Kansas and Wyandotte Public Schools and comes just hours after the, the Topeka Public School System announced it would cancel the first week of fall activities, according to WIBW Topeka. Thursday's decision here was not made easily or without much members on the Board of Education mentioned the hundreds, if not thousands, of phone calls and emails they received about the topics of returning to school and returning to activities, including sports. District 1 representative Ben Blankley called it likely the most input any local politician in Wichita has received in years. More than half of the board members called Thursday's decisions one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. I've been on this board when we've had to close buildings, when we had to cut $90 million out of our budget over six years. So every year we were cutting things that I knew hurt kids. Board President Cheryl Logan said, those hurt me, but this really has been a difficult decision because we're talking about health and keeping kids safe and keeping our staff safe. On July 28, Kansas State High School Activities Association Executive Board voted to remain on course with regularly scheduled fall seasons. Practices for fall activities, including football, even at Wichita Public Schools, started Monday. The first high school games in Kansas for schools that will be playing this year are scheduled for September 4th. Although KSHSAA or KSHA made this decision three weeks ago, each school district had to decide individually whether in-class instructions and activities would proceed based on conditions local to their communities. The Wichita Public Schools Board also created a COVID-19 advisory committee Thursday night and voted that criteria used to make this week's decision would be re-evaluated every nine weeks, leaving winter sports like basketball and wrestling intact for now. But football, boys soccer, volleyball, girls tennis, girls golf, and boys and boys and girls cross country are gone for Wichita Public Schools for 2020. The part that really breaks my heart is the athletics, and we won't have them, District 5 Representative Mike Brody said. But we can't have everything. Thursday's decision means November 30 is the earliest that Wichita Public Schools will see any high school competition. More than eight months after Keisha canceled the second half of the state basketball tournaments on March 12th. Here's some of the reaction Thursday night from players and coaches in the district and these are Twitter from at Blue Aces FB no words to describe how sad I am for the boys who have worked all summer and developed into next level players the nine games lost don't define you or your future we all still get to make decisions to get better every single day what we do away from fans is what defines us
and Davion Ware at Davion 20. Senior year, gone like that with the emoji of a broken heart. Taylor Counts, his Twitter handle, at Coach Counts. To my guys, I'm here for you wherever and whenever. I love you all and appreciate all the hard work you have put in these last three months. Unfair doesn't even begin to describe it. You deserve better. We all deserve better. Davin Sims at Davin Sims 215. Haven't felt like this before. Picture of a broken heart and football. Alex Head at Hey Coach Alexis. I forgot. Temperature check. Extended tryout. Sanitizer brought on my own expense. Tweet reads like this. Mask during play. Social distancing of gear and water. Sanitizing volleyballs. Sanitizing nets and poles. Water breaks in separate groups. Plans with split level practices. Cut all non-conference events. Why did we start? I have seven seniors on a 12-girl roster. Hashtag heartbroken. So there you have it. No fall sports and the reactions. I'll probably elaborate more on this story tomorrow as I will try to effort getting some interviews lined up. I'm going to reach out to some people on Twitter. I'll probably most definitely reach out to Coach Steve Martin to see what his mood is if he wants to come on, possibly get him on tomorrow. But this is the hand that we're dealt with, and this is what we have to deal with moving forward. Does it seem unfair? Yes, it does. But at the same time, when you look back on this whole situation now, and you look at everything, even though there might have been things intact, you know, with social distancing and all the sanitizing going on. Nothing is foolproof. And even though it seems unfair, you know, it's easy for someone like me that's doing the podcast or for that matter of fact, easy for someone that's doing a radio show to have a nonchalant don't give a damn attitude and say we want to see sports anyway but it's easy for us to have that attitude when we're not coaching a bunch of kids we're not on the school board and we have to look after the safety well-being Uh, whether it be a coaching staff, a teacher, a proctor, a tutor. When you have thousands of people's lives under your watch as a school board administrator, athletic director, I get it. If I had a child, yes, I'd be sad for my child. But now you have to sit back and look at this thing as it is. 
you can crunch all the numbers that you want to crunch. But at the end of the day, you being in a position of authority, you do not want to have to live with the fact that, okay, I let the season go on. And now we have players with an outbreak of this virus. So, yes, as hard as the decision was to make, and as many causes, I'm pretty sure, athletic directors have gotten and school board administrators have received, I'm pretty sure in their mind they think they did what was best and what was right. And we just have to accept it. You listen to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Anthony Smith. After this word from my sponsor, I will come back with some more news. So stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Anthony Smith here. Welcome back. And we have a report here that says college football may not happen at all this year. And maybe we don't deserve it. It's never going to be easy to get to kickoff, but America's attempt to have a college football season in the midst of a global pandemic is looking more and more like a hopeless Hail Mary. Like so much else in America's COVID-19 moment, the effort to get players on the field is messy, is divisive, and reflects poorly on leaders at the top, at the top. More than any other major team sport, college football is fueled by state identity and tribal customs. On any given fall Saturday, just visit the elaborate tailgates in places like College State College, Pennsylvania, or College Station, Texas, or The Grove. Some 10 acres planted in the center of the University of Mississippi which can host more than 50,000 revelers. The sport powers local economies and that business won't be given up easily. Even during a health crisis in which more than 170,000 people in the U.S. have died, decision makers are desperately trying to hold on to ingrained cultural traditions while protecting a multi-billion dollar athletic industrial complex baked into higher education. But college football lacks cohesive national leadership. Instead, each Power Five football conference has latitude to look after its bottom line at the expense of unpaid players who've put their health at great risk. Players have already experienced COVID-19 outbreaks at Clemson, Kansas State, Rutgers, and Oklahoma. Now, left to their own devices, the Pac-12 and Big Ten Conference with schools like Stanford, UCLA, Northwestern and Maryland, and coastal and upper Midwest lean blue states decided to cancel their fall college football season. Meanwhile, schools in the south, southeastern 
Big 12, and Athletic Coast Conferences, which are mostly in the red states that reopened early and saw a subsequent rise in COVID-19 cases, are saying they're still going to play football. Not that everyone falls into neat camps. There's dissension and mixed messaging within conferences and at individual universities as well. Ohio State University quarterback Justin Fields has started a petition to reinstate the season, and it's already garnered more than 275,000 signatures. The University of Alabama, whose football team brought in $94.6 million in revenue during the 2019 academic year, is among the schools trying to give the most unsocial distance of sports a go, but its fans can't seem to get out of their own way. On August 16, a large group of people in Tuscaloosa, home of the Crimson Tide, were spotted, lined up, bunched together, and are masked outside a bar. The school's athletic director took to Twitter to tisk-tisk the youthful-looking patrons who wants college football sports. Obviously, not these people, wrote Alabama AD Greg Byrne. And on August 17, the University of North Carolina announced that after 130 students had tested positive for COVID-19, the school was reverting to remote instruction. A few hours later, the school's athletic department released a statement saying, workouts and practices will continue. A campus was deemed unsafe for students, but the student-athletes would apparently be just fine. College football's lost season carries devastating consequences. The sport often funds entire athletic departments. At Alabama, football accounts for 77% of team revenues, according to federal data. Canceling football could cause schools to cut athletic opportunities in other sports. Stanford, for example, had already dropped 11 sports, like fencing and field hockey, in early July, citing the harsh financial realities of COVID-19. Expect more such decisions around the country. Sadly, Americans can only blame themselves and their leaders for the disarray. States push too fast to, op- to reopen. Testing is so backed up as to be virtually useless. And Americans continue to die at alarming rates. While pro sports facilities sit empty, Texas A&M University still expects to fill its 100,000-plus seat stadium to 30% capacity, despite the states hitting 10,000 COVID-19 deaths recently. But a lot can happen between now and the season opener that will supposedly take place in a few weeks. On August 16th, NCAA's top medical doctor said that without testing improvement, there is no way we can go forward with sports. It was an astute philosopher, Washington Nationals pitcher, Sean Doolittle, who said in July, sports are like the reward of a functioning society. For college football, the sins of spring and summer will deliver a quiet fall. And there you have it. Imagine no college football season. Stop and think about it for a minute. Where were you 
win the NCAA tournament. As a matter of fact, the NCAA tournament didn't even get on the way. Where were you when postseason tournaments, such as conference tournaments, were canceled? Where were you when the plug was pulled from high school sports? Think about it. Where were you? I could tell you exactly where I was at. I was sitting at the studios of KGSO Radio. That's 93.9 FM, 1410 AM, Fox Sports, Wichita. Fox Sports affiliate station. You can get all your Fox Sports on that station. But that's where I was at. Board Oppie. Again. When the news came at halftime that after the conclusion of this game, that would be the end of the season. I can only imagine what high school coaches are having to tell their players. What do you as a parent tell your son, your daughter, that there will be no fall sports? The very things that you have worked for over this summer. The very things that you have ingrained in your children. And hey, you got a season come up. Hey, this hard work. Do you let their dream die on that field? Or do you tell them they have dreams beyond that field? And that hard work still pays off. So now. Could we be seeing the demise of college football coming up this year? In spite of the two and a half strong petitions that that Justin Fields have been able to garner up, is that going to be enough? Now, as you look at it, is it is the reward worth the risk? In reading that report. Why is it that you would allow your child to go to a campus where there's been an outbreak and the campus is deemed unsafe, but yet it's safe enough for your student athlete to go work out? These are questions that are thrown out there, and these are some questions that would have to come up, that would have to have some answers. I think it was best said right here when it says it was an astute philosopher, Washington Nationals pitcher, Sean Doolittle, who said in July, sports are like the reward of a functioning society. For college football, the sins of spring and summer will deliver a quiet fall. Those are riveting words. Dare I say, take those words to heart. I am going to go ahead and slide in another break. And when I do come back, I'm going to give you some scoring updates. 
And I've seen a story that somewhat has caught my attention if I can find it. But let me go ahead and take this break. And when I come back, we will have some more news, some scoring updates, bring you up to breast on NHL postseason, NBA postseason. So stay tuned. You listen to A Train Sports Talk podcast. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. Welcome back. A Train Sports Talk podcast. We're always talking about the GOAT. Who was the greatest of all time in the NBA? I'll get to those scores, but the ongoing debate, who's the greatest of all time? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Is it Tim Duncan? Magic Johnson? What can we hear nothing about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Hakeem Olajuwon? David Robinson, Oscar Robertson, Larry Bird, just who's the greatest of all time? Well, question is, where does Wilt Chamberlain fit into the GOAT debates? It is a given at this point that Wilt Chamberlain is one of the best big men to ever play the game. However, Where does he actually fit into the GOAT conversation? After all, he has the accolades, the stats, and the dominance to back up his case. Nevertheless, he doesn't seem to command the same attention that Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James do. Here we decipher where he ranks among the players who are widely debated as the GOAT and see where he fits. Accolades. Chamberlain is definitely no slouch when it comes to the accolades department. He is a Hall of Famer, 13-time All-Star, 7-time league scoring champion, 11-time rebound champion, 1-time assist champion, 2-time NBA champion, 10-time All-NBA selection, two-time All-Defensive Team selection, one-time All-Star Game MVP, 72 Finals MVP, four-time MVP, and 1959-1960 Rookie of the Year. So, therefore, it goes without question that he is Overly stacked with individual awards, records with 72 records, 68 of which he holds by himself. Chamberlain literally dominates the NBA record book. He doesn't only barely break the records, too, as he's ranked numbers one, two, and three on several instances. Among these records are several that are considered virtually unbreakable, such as Averaging 22.9 rebounds for a career, 50.4 points per game in a season, scoring 100 points in one game, grabbing 55 rebounds in just one night, scoring 65 or more points 15 times, and 50 or more points on 100 
18 occasions. He also holds 16 scoring records, the most rebounds in a career with 23,924. And this is not even including blocks yet. As blocks weren't counted before he retired, the list might just be even longer. It's hard to believe that there will ever be another player who can dominate as many statistical categories as the Big Dipper did. So the popularity contest. There is no denying that Wilt Chamberlain was legendary, a legendary talent. However, the GOAT debate is more than just winning accolades and breaking records, as there is a certain element of it being a popularity contest as well. In terms of lasting impact on the league, Chamberlain had his patented finger roll that was a marvel to watch. Wilt's finger roll could be put in the same category as Jordan's fadeaway, Kareem's skyhook, Olajuwon's dream shape, Shaq's drop step, Iverson's killer crossover, or Duncan's bank shot. Without question, he was iconic in his own right. Be that as it may, Chamberlain comes up a little short in the overall popularity contest relative to his peers. Generally speaking, big men don't command the same attention that they used to. In the early days of the NBA, centers were regarded as the golden boys due to their, their unquestioned due to their unquestioned dominance on the hardwood floor as height meant might. However, the likes of Russell, Abdul-Jabbar, O'Neal, and Olajuwon have become overshadowed by names such as Jordan, Bryant, and James. It looks like as if there is a certain element to a guard or forward that is simply more entertaining to watch now compared to centers. While this may not be solely attributed to the position's entertainment value, the recency bias may also come into effect as there hasn't been a dominant big man in contemporary history. Sorry, Dwight Howard. Verdict. Will Chamberlain was an absolute beast. He had all the accolades and records of which some can only dream. Those who do manage to get a little close to his records can only barely scratch the surface or beat it by a small margin. Nevertheless, the GOAT debate takes into consideration the popularity of the player as well, for in that's the department that Wood Chamberlain falls short. The verdict for the GOAT has a certain appeal, for in the vast majority of the fans need to be almost unanimous in the decision. For who wears the crown? For the most part of history, Jordan has always been the unquestioned GOAT as he fits the bill in all three departments. Most recently, James has been getting some traction to his name too as he has been building his own case over the past few years. This puts Chamberlain at a disadvantage for his case as the GOAT. Moreover, it doesn't help that center position is also crowded with competition as Kareem, Shaq, 
Olajuwon, Russell, Malone, Robinson, and Ewing are in the running for the honorable title as well. Furthermore, there's a notion that Abdul-Jabbar also tops most list of best centers of all time, meaning that Chamberlain doesn't even hold the favor in his own position. Nevertheless, Chamberlain was a once-in-a-generation talent that deserves his own case in the GOAT debate due to the insane accolades and records. Even if he isn't the GOAT, he definitely deserves to be mentioned upon when it's debated. I'll just go on record and say this. He was truly the greatest center of all times. Yes, that room is crowded. Yes, he got dominated in the playoffs, in the championships by Bill Russell. I guess you could say that he was basically, when it came to him facing against, going against Bill Russell, he was Bill Russell was the Dallas Cowboys. But you still can't take away the accolades. And looking at those stats, one of the GOATs. You've been listening to A Train Sports Talk Podcast. I will be doing another podcast later this evening. So you want to tune in. I will be bringing you up to date on scores around the around the bubble, whether it be the NHL or the NBA. I'll be bringing you up to date on scores and what's going on today in the NBA, what's going on in the NHL, what's possibly going on in the NFL. So I would have some news for you later today. But as I always say, take care of yourself and each other. Until next time, have a blessed day. This is A-Transports Talk Podcast. This is yours truly signing out, Anthony Smith. I will talk with you later.